thanks for joining us again for another episode. Myself and Jared on deck today to cover a uh, a new film from um, a new streaming service that just dropped in Australia from Shudder, and it's called Scare Package. Now, Jared, before we get to that, obviously you shelled out a hard-earned 70 bob to get on Shudder, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, too, shelled out 70. What yep. is your take so far? So far, it's what I expected minus the catalogue, I guess. I felt like the catalogue would probably be a little bit more robust, perhaps, on the on the launch, given that, that uh, it had been planned for a while. I thought they might have had some, some wheels turning there. But, look, it's pretty thin to start with, but I'm banking on the, the originals and exclusives to beef up pretty quickly, hopefully. And I still think there is... Uh, I still think there's a lot of... A lot of things out there that would be in their wheelhouse that they can get get the rights to that are still that still don't seem to be in it on any service over here. So that's sort of what I'm banking on. I'm 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 getting in early because it is something that I want to stay around. So I'm I'm supporting it early and getting sort of getting enough of what I want to start with and hoping that they can they can beef it up. Yeah, for me it's a bit the same. I think you you jump on it because you want to support it. You want to get it here because this is only a soft launch, if I'm not mistaken. They're kind of testing the waters, I would assume, to see what type of, you know, how many people they can, how many punters they can pull in from Australia. Me, personally, it was a no-brainer. I was always going to get it. I'm a bit like yeah, you. same. There's a couple of really cool things in there, like I think Creepshow is pretty good. Uh, the cursed films documentary was documentaries were quite good. You know, I went through and I put together a list of maybe twelve to fifteen films I would have watched, so they're on my list. But apart from that, it's a bit of a, a bit of a grab bag. You know, there isn't a lot there. Now I had a quick look at what the US has on its slate. And there's a number of titles that I'd be pretty happy to see. You know, there's a Sleepaway Camp films, there's, you know, Prom Night, there's, you know, there's a lot of those old school 80s slashes on there. It's not a huge... Yeah, but the problem with that is, uh, the problem with that is they missed the boat on a couple of them because Amazon's picked them up in Australia. Yeah. So I think Amazon seemingly, they got out here early and I think they sort of, they sort of tried to, tried to sort of work that corner and, and sort of take a few of those things before... Shutter got in, perhaps. So there's a there's a few things on Amazon that would fit beautifully in in and are on the US Shutter service. Yeah. So that's going to be a bit of an issue, but there's still, I mean, try and fucking stream the original Nightmare on Elm Street somewhere. You fucking you can't find it anywhere. <laughs> so I mean, that whole series is there up for grabs, basically. I think Freddy vs Jason was the only one we could find on a on a streaming service. There's things like that. There's uh, there's other franchises. Um, something like Prom Night, that's an example of where Amazon got on that and took all four movies. They've, they've got all of them on there. They did the same with Leprechaun just recently. Like, this is all the shit that Shutter, Shutter is hopefully going to get on there, but they might have to start with some lesser fare and just sort of pick it up before it, someone else does. Well, they've also got to take the approach of a lot of these other streaming mobs and and produce content that is theirs. It seems that they've got quite a few 
original films and exclusive films, which Scare Package is one of those. It's an exclusive. So you need to hit that corner if... Look, there's room on the, the corner for both Amazon and Shutter, but you're right. Shutter's kind of taken some of their prime material, essentially. Yeah, I mean, of course. And as you said, like, the, the, the original stuff is a given. That's why we're there. Like, that's why I paid my $70 immediately because I knew that, you know, the buzz around Cursed Films was pretty good. Creep Show was something that we were going to want to see and that they were going to keep making this stuff. And essentially they need subscribers to make it. So I'm hoping they can they can round up a few of those things because if they don't, I'm not sure there's going to be enough originals coming fast enough to sort of keep us on there, which kind of sucks to say. Are you saying, you know, it could potentially be one one year and and out if, you know, if the content doesn't rise, if you get my drift? Like, you know, if we're not not by the the year sort of thinking, well, they've put on a hell of a lot of stuff and it looks good for the future. I think that's probably going to be where it gets hurt. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, for me, the original stuff was was the sealer because I know that they're going to be producing stuff that that we want to watch. But I also know that it takes a little while to make a movie or a TV show and it also, in the current climate, some of that stuff's been put to to a halt. So if they don't package up, some of the other stuff that's already out there and give you that as well, then you know you've always got the option to to can it and then rejoin for a month or two and watch all the originals again and then can it until something else comes along. Well, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, but if, if the catalogue doesn't thicken up, then, then it's going to be like you've watched everything, so are you going to keep paying for it? Yeah. That's, my only, that's really my only concern. I don't see myself doing that. But if they don't fill it out with a lot of, you know, some older titles, some slashes and things like that that aren't from their own studios or their own, you know, their exclusive deals, it's going to be sort of hard to just stick on it for the, for the yearly fee again. They should put the word out and get a lot of young filmmakers in there. Like, you pointed out that Amazon had sort of kind of stolen a bit of their thunder the other day by taking a, a Blumhouse deal, which gives Amazon eight specific films for their their service. I mean, yeah, yeah. in a way, shut it a little bit late to the party again there, you know? Yeah, well, that was something that I'd, I, you know, I remember me and you talking about Netflix should should be doing something like that, making a little sort of niche corner and working with a filmmaker or a studio to get, get a little package of, you know, Saturday night horror flicks or something like that. Mm. And, I mean, that's another disappointment with us for Shutter at the moment is that you, we can't even watch Joe Bob Briggs on there which is like, you know, that was a big selling point because it's like, oh, okay, well, you're going to almost get a little bit of the, the old-style horror host programming on there as well, but because he uses films on there, then they've got to get the rights to those, so we can't even get that, which is fucking, it sucks. Yeah, what the fuck's going on? Get, some, get these rights issues worked out, for Christ's sake. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm irritating. hoping that something's worked out there. It is, it is, because that was something that I was, I was looking forward to jumping on straight away, but you know, can't do that. Jared, you made the point about Nightmare on Elm Street, and I believe Nightmare on Elm Street's four and five ended up on Netflix briefly. So it wasn't just Freddy and Jason. Four and five did pop yeah. up. 
Yeah, and then someone at, someone in the Netflix programming fucking fell asleep and Freddie killed that off pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's not, right. I don't think they're there anymore. Yeah, yeah, they're gone. They're fucking long gone. <laughs> and Jason Goes to Hell popped up briefly too, I think. I and Jason X. There's a couple of Fridays on there. But aren't the Fridays on Amazon? Uh, Fridays 1 to 8 are on Amazon. Right. So, <laughs> you still can't get all of them. Yeah, well, you, what you, you do is you sp- pay 400 bucks for a box set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we've solved that issue ourselves, haven't we? The thing that shits me is you've got six services plus Foxtel. I've got four services. And quite you cannot get, like, there are shit in my DVD closet that still doesn't come up. No, so what? I mean, there's a whole bunch of '90s action flicks, whole bunch of horror flicks. I mean, they- <laughs> some of them are are very low, you know, low end sort of stuff. But there's there's things that people would want to watch that you can't find anywhere. Well, have they got some sort of aversion to the '90s? <laughs> 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 well, the '90s no, was a black hole in filmmaking. We better not get any of this shit on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just really um, strange. But I remember. I remember trying to, you know, we were trying to watch Dante's Peak. I'm thinking, I know that's not like top of the range, but surely there's somebody out there that thinks, I wouldn't mind watching Dante's Peak. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nobody's got it. And then since then, I think it's actually popped up on Amazon as well. But, I mean, there's so many of those movies that just aren't anywhere. And Dante's Peak was And that was, that was the thing about... Str- it was that, was that was the thing about streaming is we thought we would be able to just access whatever, whenever, and it's just, it's not. It's actually fucking cutting our selection down massively. Yeah, it's more about the, the original content. That's really what you're getting when you sign up to this stuff. Yeah. You get what the new stuff, the content that you can't get elsewhere. So... I mean, not every every service is like Netflix, which drops shit every fucking couple of days. You know, they've got yeah. so much stuff backlogged up, and it's you know, you suddenly you, there's a show you might have been watching six months ago, and suddenly out of nowhere, the second season just drops up on on the service, which is great, uh, and I appreciate that. But you know, there's a hell of a lot on there that I'm not even gonna, I'm not even looking at. <laughs> yeah, and there's still there's still movies. I mean, the, the, Hollywood has a history, and <laughs> there is films that we can watch, you know, that aren't made in the last two years. Yeah, I, I love I love searching for something on Netflix when you you kind of search it up, and it clearly knows the film because it suggests all these other things. Yeah. Like you, you search for Dante's Peak, and you know it's like Who's Peak, and then all of a sudden, oh, but you can watch Extraction; it's right here. Yeah. And, uh, Sudden Death Two that might interest you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's mind. when I go, oh, that does interest that me. That will interest <laughs> me. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's kind of frustrating. It is frustrating. Um, the, amount of, the amount of times I've, I've gone, on to, uh, gone across three to four services on a search and just found absolutely nothing, you know, looking for two to three movies from the 80s or 90s, and they're just, you can't fucking find them anywhere. Yeah. But with regards to Shutter. The next six months is really going to be make or break, possibly, 
Yeah, that's it. I've given them. I, I paid up front because I knew this was what we wanted. This was a, a niche service. That's exactly what we're looking for. Yeah. So I, I kind of gambled on the on the next twelve months that that they'll go that direction, and I think they will. I think they'll pick up pick up plenty of movies and um and and make it worth our while. It's just yeah, that's that's my concern. So I thought it was worth worth sort of mentioning that that's the only thing I'm sort of worried about. Yeah. All right. Look, we've got a we've got a pretty big show here because we've decided to kind of do a short review of a documentary that we watched over the weekend as well before we jump into our our main feature. But Jared and I sat down and watched Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, which is obviously a documentary about Mark Patton, who starred in Nightmare on Elm Street Two, and his issues and, and, and situation with regards to his career, with regards to the film. Me personally, Jared, I was really impressed with this documentary. I thought it I thought it really it really covered off on a lot of interesting angles. Uh, it looked at again his life, the film, um, the context of the film. It looked at Freddy Krueger in general as a kind of a, a pop culture phenomenon. It also talked about, you know, being gay and uh, in Hollywood and HIV in, around the Hollywood system and everything in the 80s. It was really, really intriguing and interesting, and I was very uh, impressed with it uh, across the board. And it's funny, I read a couple of reviews where they were a little bit scathing towards Mark Patton, and I was kind of like, I'm not quite sure what they saw. I thought he came across quite well. Um, and I, pre- I kind of understood, I understood his anger. Towards yeah, and yeah, absolutely his anger towards David Chaskin, and I also appreciated him kind of saying, "I kind of lumped all of this stuff on Chaskin." You know, I had all this anger for not only the film but other things, and I was kind of like aiming them in in his direction, and so I appreciated that. I appreciated his kind of honesty with regards to it, Uh, and I also thought it was um, quite. Cool that he kind of came back out of out of retirement in a way. Like he's not—I don't believe he's acting a lot anymore. But he's going on the convention circuit, and he's he's very well received on the on the circuit, and he's you know someone that people want to speak to. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. It's kind of showcased the film in a different light, but it's also brought him back into the spotlight. And I think it was it was kind of needed as he talked through his life and all the stuff he'd been through with regards to Hollywood. So I was very impressed with it. There was a couple of things I was a little bit um, in terms of a couple of people came off not the best, and I think we'll probably get to that in the next few minutes. But what were your, what was your take on it? Yeah, I was pretty much the same. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great to hear what he thought about it all because he's – you know, he was he was off the scene for a while. I mean, people couldn't even find him. So, and they go over that in the doco how he didn't really resurface until Never Sleep Again. So, yeah, I thought it was it was good. And as you said, you, you sort of look at some of the comments he received online about, yeah. or not he received, but you know, some of the comments that were coming out on the internet in in response to articles and YouTube videos from the movie and things like that. And fuck, if the bloke comes off a little a little fucking Upset, so he should. Like that's a that's a fairly hefty thing to to have to deal with. But then the good thing is that they also put it in that broader context. I, I didn't think it was going to go so far beyond the film as yeah. it did, but but taking it all into what he had to deal with in Hollywood at the time and 
bringing the HIV and AIDS stuff into it was fucking horrific at times. Yeah. So, yeah, you can see why the guy would would have some some sort of access to grind and and be a little bit upset about things. So, I yeah, I thought it was really good to see. I possibly would have liked to hear a little bit more from some other people. I know we mentioned there was there was some other people involved with the series that we would have loved to hear. Unfortunately, Wes Craven, you know, was was passed on and around the time that they were making it and wasn't involved with that film. But a guy like him is so sort of articulate about about horror and, and a relationship to societal issues and things like that. So it would have been awesome to, to have a little bit of that or, or some, some other voices from the series sort of speaking as well. But in the end, it was Mark Patton's story and I think yeah. it, was, it was a bloody good watch, to be honest. I agree with you. I did not expect it to go... As far, uh, you know, that far away from the the film itself, because my understanding of the doco before seeing it was it was about his experience on the film, and it covered that well. But adding that that whole subtext and the whole information and sideline about Hollywood and being gay in the eighties and HIV, it was important to be in there. Because it gave context to the 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 what he was living through at the time of making the film, uh, it added it added a lot of context to it, and we need you needed that because, as yeah. you say, it, the guy had been through a lot, and it's no wonder he walked away from from Hollywood. It's no wonder he. He walked away from, you know, he kept his, kept himself out of anything to do with Elm Street 2. Yeah. Know? He copped a and lot you see, of shit. Like, and yeah, he did. And you, you see, like, you know, as you said, it was good to see him sort of come around with the, the, the David Chaskin stuff towards the end. But then if, you know, if people were annoyed with the way that he was upset with David Chaskin, well, David Chaskin made some some comments that would probably be upsetting if you yeah. if you were in, in his shoes, you know. So I guess that's the whole point of the exercise is to is to enlighten you a little bit about what was going on for him and yeah. why he felt that way. And how it made him feel to kind of lay the blame for the film's what wasn't it was a hit box office wise. It, it wasn't a hit critically, and with the fans. But to lay the blame somewhat, which Chaskin kind of did in an interview at Mark Patton's feet with regards to his sexuality, was not a good move. It was, well, not it was, a, it was an easy way out for one. Um, yeah, it was a bit of an easy way out, and then he made some some comments about. There was another one that's brought up in the film that, that he made somewhere that was just you kind of hear it and you're like, What? Like why would you why would you even say that? Yeah. But yeah, as I said, it was it was nice to see them sort of talk about that and, and lay the lay the feelings on the table. Yeah. And look, Chaskin, that, I that thought was, Chaskin came off well. Well, it was it was open to, to hearing what was to be said. Yeah. So, and he did apologize. I'll give him for credit his, for that. He he apologized for his previous comments and and, and the way he'd sort of handled this, because he has flip-flopped over the years, you know, saying, oh, the gay subtext was never in it, and then, you know, oh, yes, yeah. it was. Uh, you know, oh, it was Mark Patton's fault because he was a gay actor and all this sort of stuff. He kind of flip-flopped back and forth. So that's hurt. That's pretty hurtful too. So I guess Chaskin I, I sort of understood 
and liked the fact that he, he listened and he, he, he accepted what Patton was saying and he, he understood that it was hurtful and he kind of he apologised. And, and, yeah, that's what Patton was saying. He's the first person to actually apologise for any of this. Yeah. Jack Shoulder, yeah. on the other hand, look, I kind of understood what Jack Shoulder was trying to do. He yeah. was trying to sort of sit down and, and, and perhaps give Patton, look, let this go, mate. You know, you, you've, yeah. you've been sort of sitting on it for, for 30 years and it, it, it's, it's not, not a good thing to sort of bottle up, but I, I don't think he did it in the right way, honestly. I yeah. He sort of came in the delivery sort of was, about it. Yeah, the delivery was a little, uh, I don't know, a little little direct, a little bit harsh. It came across as something Patton possibly needed to hear a little bit. Yeah. But the way that it was said was sort of like almost dismissive yeah. of some of the stuff. Yeah, just and, get over and it. Definitely from, definitely from a viewpoint of someone who had, didn't have to deal with the shit that Patton did. Yeah. So, it was, I mean, it was it, what I saw was, yeah, I think Jack Shoulder's trying to do the right thing and trying to just sort of say, you know, move, move on and live your life a little bit. But he was saying it with a definite point of view of, well, it's something that you haven't seen, mate, so maybe you should listen to it a little bit because then you might understand yeah. why he's upset. And so, so I guess showing us showing us the previous sort of 60 to 70 minutes of the film is why we probably looked at that and said, well, I mean, he's got reason to be. Yeah. And see, so Chaskin took it a better way. Like, he could have – he was initially defensive. You could kind of tell. He was defensive about the conversation, but he kind of – listened and, and kind of took it in. The thing probably working in Shoulder's favour is he has always said, I didn't I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't see it. I was directing the yeah. film but I didn't see it. He's never flipped and said, Well, yeah, it was there or whatever. He's always been steadfast yeah. that he never ever saw it. And you know, mm-hmm. whether you believe him or not, it's up for debate. But the fact of the matter is he's always st- stuck with what what he believes is he never saw the the, the gay subtext to it, mm. you know. And it's interesting to get the feelings of people like Robert Rustler and that who kind of said, "Well, I saw it from page one." Yeah, like yeah. It s- stuck out to him immediately <laughs> that there was there was something there, you know. And so it's interesting that some people didn't get it and others were right all over it from the start. So it's yeah. a, it was a really also uh, great to see uh, Robin England come out. As one of the real kind of, uh, he comes out looking great. Yeah, you know, as we, we've we've joked a little bit before that he kind of he talks a lot when you hear him in interviews and commentaries and and blathers on a little bit sometimes. But he had some really kind of he, he put things into into a really he had a really good way of putting things into context and was really supportive of Mark Patton and kind of put the issues out there in a really clear sort of. Sense and uh, I thought he, he just came out looking great. So yeah, it looks good to see did. From I him. think I think it was pretty. Everyone gave interesting insight into how they saw the yeah. film at the time, and and Mark Patton's story coming up as a young man into Hollywood, and and yeah, that whole story tells about how his agent, after seeing Elm Street 2 kind of said, yeah, well, look, you can, you know, you can leave your you head behind the movie, but you're going to have to be a character actor because you can't pay, play straight. Mm. That's a pretty fucking hard thing to hear at 25 in a career that you you love and you've actually had a bit of success. 
Yeah, and when it seems to just be taking off. Yeah, and for the reasons given, you know, for the reasons behind it, basically that you can't play a straight person, that would be difficult to hear. Uh, and hmm. so I can understand kind of why he gave it away. Yeah, well, in Hollywood at the time, is there is there anything else to play? Like, yeah, there, yeah, that's there right. wasn't much else. Exactly. Like he he is the only person from that film, may of the major players in Elm Street Two, who the film hurt their career. I mean, yeah, Robert England went on to more and more Freddy films. He became the most popular fucking filmer mm. in. In movie history for a while there. You know, Jack Shoulder directed consistently over his career. I mean, mm. maybe the parallel is Chaskin, because his career didn't really take off either. Yeah. So there's maybe a parallel there, but I think nobody else, nobody was hurt as badly as Patton. His career was no. essentially ruined. And, I mean, he, he does say that he, he made the decision to just to drop it. Like he probably could have hung around Hollywood and done some work in some sense. I guess he was also he kind of made the call too. to just yeah. Well, there was there, there, there was other factors. Yeah. yeah, there was other factors around it. But you can see why he would he just would have left and never come back. Yeah. But look, for me, it was a really good documentary. Definitely worth checking out. Um, it's on American Shutter. Yes. Can't get it either. <laughs> and I reckon it will. I reckon it will show up on ours. But um, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw it in JB and just grabbed it. <laughs> well, look, it was definitely worth a view. Just in case. All right, well, let's take a break, Jared. Here's the trailer for 2019's Scare Package. Your cold opener. You only have a few minutes to put all the pieces in place. This is the best house on the market. It just seems too good to be true. What would happen in a horror movie now? Everyone I care about ends up dead. As if it wasn't bad enough that we're babysitting on Halloween. That's what they were doing back there. Tests and shit. The engine will not start in 17 out of 18 cases. It's the devil's lake impaler. It's not over. You can still come back. I'm pretty sure something bad happened here. You don't understand! You have to kill me! Now! You okay? Hitchhiker's is dangerous business. It's how horror movies start. It's like you're having a rough night. It's 11 a.m. Hi, I'm hunting a creature. Well, a man. Maybe see him? How are we going to fix this? I'd like to rent a wood chipper. We are in a horror movie. Nobody? Horror. Horror movie. Package from 2019. Now it's got a number of directors. Uh, it's there's seven different sort of short films, uh, and they're directed by Courtney and Hilary Anger, Anthony Cousins, Emily Hagens, Aaron B. Kuntz, 
Chris McEnroy, Noah Sagan and Baron Vaughan. There's a there's about twenty producers involved, but most of them are produced by the directors and each segment is produced by the directors. And of course they the writers are Courtney and Hilary Anger, Anthony Cousins, Emily Hagens, Aaron B. Koontz, Chris McEnroy, Noah Sagan, Baron Vaughan, Cameron Burns, Ben Free, Frank Garcia Hege, and John Casco. It stars Jeremy King as Chad Buckley, Noah Sagan as husband, Tony Trucks as Francesca, and Zoe Graham as Jesse. I couldn't find a budget for it, and I think it was only released to streaming and DVD, so there's no box office numbers. And if you look closely at the jock character in the final segment, he's dressed like Johnny Depp's character in A Nightmare on Elm Street, mm. wearing the hideous-looking crop top. <laughs> All right, Jared, I'm going to jump in first. I can't, It's a horror anthology that kind of, it lovingly embraces the, the tropes and the genre trappings that go along with all that stuff from horror, so I really appreciated the effort that's gone into it. Unfortunately, there are a number of stories which have a really interesting idea, but it is just played so broadly for comedy purposes. I mean, it felt like, at points in the film, it felt like scary movie. And that didn't sit as well with me as I would have hoped. And it doesn't really lean into any horror elements. There are a couple of stories which are a little more serious, which they were the ones that probably felt better for me and were more visually interesting. But whenever it goes off onto sort of spoof territory, and don't get me wrong, I got a couple of really, really big laughs but it just didn't work very well for me. It kind of straddled the border as kind of passable, so I gave it a two and a half. Mm. How did you feel about it? Yeah, first off, I'm a little bit disappointed that you didn't bring up in the um, in the, the cast Goldust, former WWE superstar, <laughs> Dustin Runnels. Oh, really? <laughs> Playing the... What uh, was he? What was his name? The Devil Lake Impaler or... Um, Oh, is that was that? Yeah, him? I didn't pick it up until they showed him without the mask on and whatever. But uh, yeah, that was gold dust. So good to see him popping up right. there. I, look, I felt the same. I, I ended up with a three. I would say exactly the same. There were segments when I got a really good laugh, enjoyed the segment, but I felt like yeah, it, it, it skewed too far into the comedy for me. I was looking for something a little more. I mean, I look at something like Trick or Treat, which is which I feel has got comedy elements in it but it's also damn scary and has some really nice twists and, and the wraparound is just spot on the way that the stories intersect. And it just, it just doesn't, doesn't quite get there. Same with Creepshow. I mean, you look back at, at, at an anthology like Creepshow and then obviously we just watched the series as well. Some of those mm. do have parts that you laugh at, but it's, it's a darker sort of comedy. It's not full out. As you said, there was, there was points where this was just spoof basically. I also think that it was trying to comment on all the tropes but never really went further and elevated itself above them like something, say, like a, a Cabin in the Woods did. A couple of sequences especially also 
they felt like they were just referencing those. There was one in particular that felt like straight out of um, Cabin in the Woods, and there was another one that also felt very close to one of the trick-or-treat segments, but neither of them really kind of pushed into that territory where I'll remember them alongside those things. So, yeah, it was it was a fun little bit bit of gear that touched on some, some nice nostalgia and memories and a few laughs, but I probably won't see myself going back to it very often. And would say it's 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 a little bit forgettable, unfortunately. Yeah, I think these people behind it actually care about the genre. Yeah, I think they did a nice little job coming up with some of those segments too. A couple of them I really enjoyed, but not never really pushed their way into into the conversation of something where I'd you know sit down and bring up great anthologies and and bring up this one. I, I would say if anyone asked about it, I'd say yeah, if you like that stuff. Check it out, but I wouldn't probably wouldn't go further than that. Yeah, totally agree. To start off with, I do like the fact that it is an anthology that embraces the genre tropes and leans into the meta moments a little bit. And I do like the idea of the wraparound segment kind of being set in a video store, you know. Yeah. And the tapes, the tapes, you know, around the store being part of the, basically making up the shorts. I I did like that. And I did like the fact that it has that cheap 80s film look. Yeah, definitely. You know, they've, they've done a little bit of, put a bit of effort into making it kind of very 80s-like, which, which is a good thing. Yes, definitely. I, I too appreciated the video store sort of vibe to it, and the main guy who was modelling himself on Joe Bob Briggs. I thought that that yeah. got a, a couple of little laughs, and yeah, it also served to kind of take the eye off the budget a little bit, um, because obviously yeah. it's not a, it's not a big spending film, but it all felt in keeping with the theme. They, they tried yeah. their best to sort of squeeze as much as they could out of that budget. And as you said, setting it in that, in that sort of context did work for those purposes. Yes. Now, I don't know why I couldn't stop laughing at this particular sequence because it's absolutely stupid. But the whole thing about the guy that is transforming with the green goo. Yeah. And... <laughs> He gets the silver handcuffs put on, and he's just this puddle of like shit on the ground. <laughs> yeah, yep. and then another bloke comes, in, the other bloke throws an axe and hits a guy in the groin, and, <laughs> and, like, and all sorts yeah. of stupid shit going on. And I was, I, I gotta admit, I was laughing at this whole thing. Yeah, it was for as some you said, reason. I kind of a, found it funny. It was a bit silly, and the guy commentating from the ground was bordering on annoying, but there was a couple of lines where I was kind of laughing too and and going along with it. It was quite fun. I just, I guess I kind of embraced the fact that that one was super silly. And it, I mean, the killer dies by tripping over and landing head first on the axe that's still impaled in a bloke's groin. It looks like he's given her a blowjob. (laughs) I was like, you know, it's low brow, but I was kind of like, yeah, okay, I'll accept that this is very silly. If it's aiming, if it's aiming low, it's right on target for you and I, isn't it? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If only there was a fart gag in there, yeah. we would have probably been much exactly happier. bullseye. 
there was a, I got a couple of funny gags. They got a couple of funny gags in for me in a row. I had to laugh when the bloke, well, yeah, yeah, they go to that Mr. meeting. Yeah. Those guys yep. go to the Mr. meeting. And they just got this, like, it's like a montage of talking heads where they're talking to the camera about their wives. Yeah. And one, one bloke just goes, just because you shave your pubes doesn't mean I have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, a couple of silly little lines there that hit the mark. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, again, can we get any lower? <laughs> we can because there's another gag I thought was I giggled heartily, yet I should not. It was that bloke bails up Horn, yeah, the the young the little Asian guy who's getting yeah. the job. Yes, that other dude who wants the job bails him up and job. goes, "Do you do you know what they call a Goldie Horn in the fetish community?" <laughs> So they find a guy called Horde and urinate on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, that one didn't quite hit the mark for me, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. There. <laughs> Obviously, had a few laughs. I know. I shouldn't have laughed, but I just went. <laughs> Come on, lift your standards here, uh, Jesus. Yeah, look, yeah, I know. Look, look, I should get. <laughs> I should be ashamed of myself. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you the story that I actually liked the most, and and again, one of my dislikes is going to sort of play into all of these stories and the kind of time you give them, mm. which is a problem. But I actually didn't mind the one, one where the girls were having the sort of girls' night in the hotel room. Yeah. And they steal that lollipop. Yep. And there's this sort of heavy-breathing killer in the car following them and watching them. It was a little more serious. It went away from kind of the over-the-top cheesy comedy elements and it was kind of visually interesting because there was at least some some visual tricks and stuff going on in mm. it. And I thought it ended with, you know, I kind of liked the fact that they kind of bring the heavy-breathing killer in and then they kind of twist it at the end, you know. Yeah, I, so, I didn't mind that one either. I, that was that was pretty good. I probably thought that was my personal favourite. Yeah, I actually liked, I think it was the one after that. And just like you, I had some dislikes, but it was the one about trying to kill the Jason-type unkillable killer. Yeah. I actually felt that was the one where there was some mileage there. It suffered the same problems as all the others. I felt that was one of the ideas that probably served the length that they got for each each segment pretty well. Yeah. And, again, there was a couple I, of wildly amusing parts in there as well. Maybe not as, maybe I had not as funny slightly, as Goldie Horns and things like that. But <laughs> Well, if it doesn't involve urination, I'm not laughing. Oh, dear. Look, I agree with you that that one had a great idea, but I have a slight, I have a more of a dislike towards it because I just felt once again it went back to comedy, straight comedy. Like, yeah. I, I didn't like You needed to mix like it better. So much you either. needed to mix the, the comedy and horror better. Yeah. That, that sort of idea that you're trying to kill Jason but he won't die, yes, it needs comedy in it because it's so ludicrous. 
That's why Jason X doesn't work. <laughs> like, oh, come you know, on. Jeez. Settle down. You have to lean into a little bit of comedy with that premise. Oh, speaking to, speaking of aiming low. to have horror. <laughs> Punching <laughs> down. You think, oh, that's a below the belt shock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I agree, and I'll, I'll go into my dislikes on that one later. Mm. But, yeah, I just felt the, the, the premise was pretty good. The segment itself, I kind of enjoyed. I actually liked yeah. the, the Mister segment as well. I thought that was another another decent one. And there was, yeah, look, the the segments as they went were all pretty solid. Well, not all of them, but most of them were yeah. pretty solid. But they all sort of suffered from a similar issue, I think. From that particular segment you were talking about, where they're trying to kill Jason, I got a, a couple of good laughs out of it. When the, she goes, "Get me the jumper cables." And they put the jumper cables on. She turns around and goes, "Why are they on his nipples? <laughs> Isn't that where they're supposed to go?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that's pretty funny." Yeah, there you go. Champagne comedy there. That's and that's what we're looking for. <laughs> well, maybe not champagne, but it's golden in some <laughs> in some ways. Well, yeah, it's probably not champagne, but it's at least I don't know. It's like a VB, like a beer that you don't love, but you drink it if it was there. So. It's a spew, Manti. It's a cold spew, Manti. <laughs> but the other one was the guy touching the stethoscope to him. Yeah, and yeah. His heart starts up again. His fucking head explodes. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, looked, yeah that's, that's that was pretty funny. That was where the comedy worked. And it, unfortunately, it only did work for moments, not all the way through. Yeah. But, yeah, it, 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 I'm not saying that I didn't laugh. I laughed quite a few times. I got a few chuckles out of out of things that were going on. The other story that, I mean, again, it was probably hurt by length, but it was the only other one that kind of had a serious-ish tone was the ghost possession one where she's kind of possessed by herself, was it, or some – it was difficult to tell, and they have a fight with each other. Yeah, he possessed that her, was, I think. Again, so I'm, that was, again, it was slight, but it at least had some visual interest about it. My problem with that one is, yeah, I, I got uh, – the exploration of a topic was was I was looking forward to it when she started talking about I don't want any spoilers I fucking hate spoilers and I thought well this is yeah. not a bad not a bad thing to explore in the in in a little segment on on this sort of um, platform but when it finished yeah. up I was kind of like I didn't get I didn't get what the fuck was going on what what it all had to do with spoilers. Which it felt like that was the conceit of the whole thing, that it had to be about spoilers. Maybe I missed something that was very obvious. Uh, that's, pro- that's quite possible. But also... I, I would say it's likely, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It just sure felt like I got to the end of it. I got to the end and I thought, so what, what was the bloody comment on spoilers <laughs> other than the bookends? Were you conscious? <laughs> Were you? Were you actually know. conscious? I don't think I was during that segment because I fucking I got to the end of it and I thought, okay, I missed no, something. no, you're spot on. You're spot on, mate. It didn't really make sense at the end, and the whole idea of those two weird guys in suits with hats on, you know, you didn't tie any of that up. Uh, it just kind of felt a little bit loose. I guess what I liked about it, if it is, it wasn't playing for comedy. And it, again, had some visually interesting things going on. So the direct- directorially it was better 
Well, you know what? Some, it of been, some of them. It could have been playing for comedy, and I fucking didn't notice. So <laughs> I can't comment on yeah, that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've clearly missed. Well, maybe it was about that story. Maybe it wasn't quite as broad. Yeah, because that's the problem with several of the others. The well, comedy it didn't is feel so like, broad. Yeah, yeah. It's, it didn't feel like that's that was all that was looking for, which some of the other ones did. I mean, I was expecting a fucking Wayne's brother to turn up. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like, it was that full on uh, as far as the comedy was concerned. We were this close to getting a, maybe I could use my strong hand or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I would have welcomed that, though. Yeah, so would I. <laughs> a nice little cameo from Joe Bob Briggs. Yep. I thought that actually worked in the context of what that story was. Yeah, I've got some real problems with that story. Interestingly enough, that was the story that I would have thought would have been the most sort of closest to my interest level. Yeah, but I actually had quite a few problems with that story. I didn't, I didn't particularly like it, but I found the Joe Bob Briggs cameo to be quite cool. It was, and there was a couple of. Interesting shots in that story where he gets Chad gets his arm cut off and it kind of does like an arm's eye view of the arm falling to the ground. There's like a GoPro on the fake arm, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. the, the bit where he punches through Chad's head and then he pulls his fist out and he's looking through the gigantic hole in his head. Mm-hmm. Again, they were nice shots, but that was kind of it for me. Yeah, I didn't have too much more to add to be honest. That was. Uh... It was like I said. There was there was things that I liked about it, but not not so much that I would, you know, go into great detail about them. Yeah. All right, the dislikes, mate. I think I'm going to kick off with. There just wasn't enough time. If you're going to do an anthology with seven stories in it and a wraparound, you are giving those stories minimal amounts of time. Yeah, and they've got to be pretty tight and sharp, and some of them, yeah, some of them weren't. I think. And the thing is, Jared, give me more of pick three or four of the best. Yeah, and I make could go them go for. I, I could go for five. Like if you had gone for five, I could have gone there and just give it a little bit more time. Yeah, because to me, you could have played with the one about the lollipop. Yeah. The one about could have gone a bit the, the serial killer who wouldn't die. Mm-hmm. You could have played more with those. Yeah, I think so. I feel like a couple of them, it felt like they didn't finish or they didn't finish strongly. So perhaps you take one or two out and you try to workshop a little bit more on the uh, on the, <laughs> the ways to end the other one strongly. Mm. That's the thing about anthologies, and it's like a short story, right? To to really stay with you, it has to have a real kicker. It has to have a twist or something, or or a mm. premise that is so good that it carries it all the way through. And I just didn't feel like any of them got to that level, which was unfortunate. I felt like they were all solid ideas. None of them had a killer twist, and none of them really sort of ended as well as I would have hoped they would. No. And for me, it's interesting because the majority of them didn't have enough time, but the last story spent more time 
but didn't deserve it No, me. No, I didn't think it did either. They, I actually they, felt... The last a, one was kind of too long. It was it was kind of almost sluggish. Yeah. I got what they were going for, but quite frankly, it was a, it was a very much less successful rip-off of Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, I think so. And they, I feel like it also spoiled the wraparound. It, it felt like it took the wraparound and took the characters out of that to another setup that didn't quite work. So then when that happened, mm. you didn't get the chance to wrap it all up in the video store either. Yeah, because they should have clung to the door that wasn't to be opened. Or something like that, or, you know, the other guy pushing for the job. Those were all yeah. things that I was looking I was expecting things to be wrapped up in in that sense, and I would have probably been more satisfied if they did. I know they tried to go for a bit of a bait and switch with the door, and I was okay with that, but I was hoping that they would bring it back somehow to finish it in the video store, so it was kind of a disappointment when they didn't. Yeah. But, yeah, the last story had all the hallmarks of something that we would love, you know. It kind of felt like a slasher. It was using those tropes and everything, the whole 80s characters. But then they did the whole thing of leaning on the virgin thing, like the rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah. Which did it ten times better, the whole idea that, you know, this is the final girl. Oh, no, she's not. You know, that, that stuff just didn't really cut it. It just felt like it was, like, cribbed from half a dozen different much better horror films. Yeah, it did, and it didn't and feel it was like just it had kind a, of a waste. It didn't feel like it had a purpose. It didn't feel like it, it it had something more to add to any of that. It just felt like we'll put it in that same context and not really know what we're doing with it, which which <clears throat> was a bit of a letdown because I did like the Chad character. I thought he was kind of yeah. kind of funny, so I felt like ending it off there didn't do it any favors. No, the other big ticket issue was the fact that it felt like a spoof. Yeah. I mean, we were hair away, as I said, from Scary Movie or Airplane or one of those. It, it kind of felt like they were just <laughs> yeah. shoveling the jokes in hand over fist. We'll, we'll, we'll do the scattergun approach and we'll, we'll, we'll fire like 50 jokes and hopefully maybe five of them or something will hit the mark yeah. per segment. But that's not the way to do it. Like, I, I, I'm not really sure what they were intending. Like... Were they trying to go for a spoof? I felt like certain segments, it basically was. Like I, I, I see yeah. the, the the killing, killing the the you know the the Jason type character and the the guy melting into the pile of goop. Like I look at yeah, those, they're definitely spoof, and they were they were flat out looking for laughs. And I feel like. As you said, you got to balance it a little bit better. I, th- I still think you can get those laughs, but I look like something. I look at something like Tucker and Dale, which went for some laughs, but also had massive helpings of gore <laughs> and shit like that to, to yeah. go along with it. I felt like going for a straight, a, a more of a slasher slasher type setup, taking a little a little bit more down the line, but then throwing those moments like the stethoscope in and that sort of thing still would have worked, but. Yeah, given your scope to, it felt like they got more tied up in trying to get the laughs than they did in actually trying to make something of a comment on the on the films and and elevate themselves above it a little bit. Yeah, I guess it's hard to know what the you know, maybe the intention was to go balls to the wall type of comedy for the most part, but it, to me it didn't work. No, I don't think uh, it did either. It's not. It's not even. It wouldn't even. In my mind, even if I was looking at it as a comedy and a spoof, it wouldn't cut the mustard there either. 
No, it was another so, one where yeah, you got a few giggles, but once you walk out and finish it, it's you're not remembering it as one of the one of the upper echelon things that you would recommend other people see if they want to watch a comedy or a spoof. Exactly. So it it, it didn't work on those terms. The cold open. Yeah. I think it was called Cold Open. It was called Cold Open. I didn't particularly like that. Again, it went for classic spoof territory. It was another half-developed idea, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it had the idea of what if this guy wants to be more in a, in a, in a horror flick but didn't kind of go anywhere with it. It didn't, it didn't finish it yeah. in a satisfactory way. And it also shoved in a lot of, like, Easter eggs, but they felt like they weren't organic, maybe. Yeah. Like, it just shoved all this stuff in these horror movie things that we should be looking for and and sort of little nods to other horror characters and, and horror films, mm-hmm. but they just felt that they weren't earned. They were just kind of, like, shoved in there. Oh, yeah, the horror fans will get... A lot, uh, some enjoyment out of this, but I didn't really get any enjoyment out of it because I was kind of like, well, you've got to you've got to do it subtly sometimes. That's a tough one. Like I enjoy Easter eggs, but I'm exactly the same. I like it when it's when it's something that you see and you're like, oh, that's fucking cool. Like I wasn't expecting that. Much like on Creepshow mm. when I saw the graffiti that said Jimmy is a dead fuck out of nowhere, and I was like, that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, exactly. when, it's, when it's just that you're spouting names or you're dropping things that, like the map, I suppose, in the Cabin in the Woods one, you look at the map and it was, the, you know, the last storage room on the left and the Herbert West laboratory and, like, it was too in your face. Like, at that point, it's not an Easter egg, right? It's just, yeah. here, look at this. We know, you know, we, we know what we're doing. We love our horror. Uh, where, again, you know, the Creepshow series, I think, did it really well, including the ashtray from... Uh, in every episode, that you know, the, the freezer that's got a container of the stuff in it. That you, these are things that you could yeah. miss, but when you go back and you you find them again, you get a real sort of buzz out of it. I agree. I think that when the way, way Scare Package did it, you, you just didn't really. Yeah. It was only, you, the only time you got that was when Joe Bob Briggs showed up. Really? Yeah, yeah. You got a couple of nice little sort of touches there, but it was it was it was to me it was at its absolute worst at the start. It was trying to kind of showcase the tropes and all this sort of stuff, but then add the fact that what the guy's name is Michael Myers, you know, uh, the whole thing about you know the white mask he picks up to avoid having blood spewed all over him, like the stuff was really kind of cheap. This is the the problem with the whole thing, right? Is that it it took all these things that we've seen before, didn't really do it better than any of them, and so. What are you sort of left with? You're left with stories that are solid and you enjoy watching them, but they don't have that, as I said, that memorable killer twist or memorable sort of take on showing something new to us that we're really gonna that's really gonna stick with us. So, yeah, and I don't, you know, I'm not trying to fault them for that. I really appreciate the work that that, that they did on this on this flick, and I, I am all for this sort of material. But I just it just hurt it to go with that in in that direction. I think. Yeah, it just kind of felt like the mandate for the film was more comedy. Yes. Yep. So when you go to the you go down the realm of comedy, okay, I can get behind you. It's mm. a horror movie sort of base comedy, but 
I just think a better balance. Yeah, absolutely. And I look at, you know, there has been some that take a comedic approach that are fairly successful with it, but you look at something like, you look at the movies like Scream and New Nightmare and Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, there's a couple of laughs in Cabin in the Woods, but there's also some stuff that wouldn't look out of place in a good slasher flick. But then is mm. is then it has those added elements of the people in the bunker, you know, commenting on it and putting it in a new, putting that new spin on it that way, without necessarily going full blown sort of comedy approach and, to, and trying to take the piss out of everything that way. Yeah, agreed. I didn't really have a lot else. No, I, I don't I think was, there was. Yeah, a, I had a couple of major problems that really hurt. Hurt. Yeah, it. same. I don't think there was a hell of a lot that I would say I disliked about it, but the. Big ticket things seem to carry through the whole package, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I'm, I was a little bit disappointed when I finished it. Yeah, because I was the, the, slightly disappointed, having enjoyed it, but I wanted a bit more. Yeah, and it, yeah, you know, I know the critical acclaim; it was fairly critically held in pretty high regard. And I'm not saying that the critics don't know what I'm talking. It just, I guess, it just didn't really work fully for me. It was yeah. kind of there and thereabouts, and it could have pushed over with a couple of little changes. But it just yeah. felt they just lent too much into comedy that I well, felt uh, hurt it. True to form, uh, the Roger Ebert website, uh, you know, continuing the uh, the spirit of the man, and gave it a big thumbs down. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's I think, that, I, I see, that's the thing. It kind of exists in the centre. Yeah, I, I read a couple of reviews about it that were glowing that I I just didn't agree with, but I also read some that were I, I came across a couple that were scathing that I also thought was a bit, were a bit harsh. So I was I was yeah, like you, I'm sort of in the middle of of that. Yeah. So you got nothing else? No, that's everything for me. All right, that was scare package. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podomatic. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. See us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia, Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com, and on Instagram at Thrill Me Podcast. Please rate and review us on iTunes and Podomatic if you can. Our next episode, I'm pushing for 1994's The Crow. We'll probably have to do a little bit of discussion amongst the crew. But I think that'd be a good one to cover, especially after watching um, cursed films. Yeah, definitely. But until then, take it easy and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.